gentlemen, and welcome to another Dishyelta Confusion Thursday Night Hangout. It is Thursday, and it's not the Thursday of Christmas or a convention or people dying of illnesses, which means we are here. Uh, yes. So, ladies and gentlemen, I, of course, am your host, Charlie, and I'm joined once again by the political comer himself, Zelius. It is good to see you in the virtual world as well as the real world. But of course, but of course. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Thursday Night Hangout. This is a live show. We try our best to cover the topics most important to you. If at any time during the show you have any topics or questions or opinions that you would like to express to us, all you got to do is drop it into the chat, be it on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitch, and we'll try to add it to the show. Now, of course, if we run out of time, we will add it to the very next show. So without further ado, let's jump into it. And the first topic we got to cover is Zelius's report on DragonCon. Yeah, nope, DragonCon was good. Um, I will say they have kept it since 2019. So 2019 was like 80, 85,000 people. Mm-hmm. And now they're capping around 65 to 70,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and those couple thousand people do make a pretty big difference. Um, as far as the absolute craziness, um, it's still crazy for some of the stuff, like trying to get into the vendor hall on like Friday and Saturday is pretty absurd still. I heard, uh, our buddy Clark, uh, w- oh, yeah. was at, uh, DragonCon. He said that he waited, uh, about two and a half hours to get into the, uh, the Amer's Mart. Yes. So if you come during the prime time, that is absolutely true. Um, we, so I did, I went Friday morning, uh-huh. um, when it opened, waited about 45 minutes. And then on Saturday, cause I went during the parade, I basically walked right in, wow. um, cause I've seen the parade and I'm okay with that. So that was kind of my strategy. Cause I knew if like, I didn't go Saturday morning during the parade, I probably wasn't going to go because the line's just bonkers after that. Yeah. I do know what was interesting is on, I forget if it was Friday or Saturday because the days just kind of melt together. Mm-hmm. But one of those two days, it was like basically the fire marshal was definitely limiting the number of patrons because mm-hmm. it all comes down to what's the fire marshal lap. That's what it is. And apparently one of the two days was like super limited and the vendors were not happy about it. Mm-hmm. Because like they noticed like a marked decline in the actual sales and just because a lot of the vendors who go there, I mean they're there every year, so they kind of know what to expect. Right. And like they all were like, "Where is everyone?" Gotta hope it was on Friday and not Saturday. I can't remember which day was which anymore, but yeah, one of those two days it was definitely like they were not letting. And I mean there was a line the entire time outside, so they could have let in more people. So right. it's like basically. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, like there was a line out of America's Mart, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of those days, like they didn't lay enough people in basically the entire day is what it comes down to. Um, which for the patrons is kind of nice because you're not like shoulder to shoulder. But for a lot of these vendors who like they have a expected income mm-hmm. from DragonCon from years of experience when they're making like half of that. Yeah. And it's not because people aren't spending money. It's because they're not letting the normal amount of patrons into America's Mart. I can see why that's frustrating. Yeah. I I, I can, I too could see that. Uh, so um, since it's the writer strike still going, what ex- or, and, and the actor strike, uh, what exactly were they allowed to do at the convention? So 
basically so the one that had um elijah wood and samwise gamgee because never remember his real name uh um, it's uh sean astin thank you yep. uh so their panel i know was like basically if you got to uh, like the line with like an hour before the panel you weren't making it in like that mm -hmm. was the one panel that was ridiculous so i went to the one based around the 100 so the uh, most of the main actors from the 100 tv series which if you all don't know what it is it's a very seafy type of teenage angst basically set in space good show um but basically they're not allowed to reference anything that struck work meaning i mean the 100 is not produced anymore but it's still considered struck even to the point where they could not talk about like what their favorite shows that they've been in or even that they watch. Like they just why, can't. Why even... would, why would your favorite shows that you watch be a violation? That's weird. It just, they were not allowed to talk. And, and even like, there was a couple of times where like one of the actresses was like, yep. And then I won the hundred. And as soon as she said it, she was like, Oh, my lawyer didn't see that. Um, like they, because they were talking about like, they were riding a horse one day out in the field, and this stuff happened, obviously in reference to something that happened on the show. Um, and then she actually said they're 100. And, like, you're definitely, like, that was obvious. You're not allowed to say it. But what they did, which as a panel set conventions, I have mixed feelings about, mm -hmm. is, so, because our big question was, like, okay, how are you getting around customer or not like patron questions right right and what they did which made perfect sense for this was we submitted questions on discord and then the mm -hmm. moderator basically filtered and asked those questions mm -hmm. um so that they would ask questions obviously not they weren't even be like so what was your favorite thing that happened in the hundred because you just can't ask that right and so that's how they did it so those questions like Actually, one question was probably the best response was, what was some of your most interesting or failed auditions? Mm -hmm. well, that they could talk about because they weren't actually talking about TV shows. Right. Um, but some of them were like, what is a special talent you have? Or what is your favorite karaoke song? So How it was very... <laughs> fa favorite catered food. That's probably illegal. Very well. close. So it was more questions like that. Mm -hmm. So it was, I mean, it was interesting um in that regard or like it was definitely much more of a personal take on it mm -hmm. versus the stories from the show which i have mixed it's not a negative thing because i totally get it it's not like you have anything against the actors for it because i support them what they're doing right but normally if you're going to see a panel about the 100 you want to talk actors, about the 100 i want to hear about the 100. yeah so what i heard is fascinating honey it was kind of like eh but what I found interesting is afterwards, so there was a Facebook post talking about it, about mm -hmm. not this one, just in general, that a lot of people liked the whole, I got to get your thoughts on this. A lot okay. of people liked the whole um, idea of the Discord way of doing question and answering mm -hmm. for two main reasons. One is it really gets, it kind of expedites the process because it's much more kind of bang, bang. And it really does eliminate a lot of the, so if you've been to like, I remember like when I went to the David Tennant one, like literally half of the people in the line were like, oh, I love you so much. You're my, like, they literally spend like two minutes talking about how much they love them. And after a while, like, okay, you get it. Like, we get it. We're all here. We love them. Yeah. Get to the interesting stuff. So I totally get that. Like, that's a complete waste of time for every person to do that and try to get a hug from the actor. 
But I also feel like if this becomes a trend, I also kind of don't like it because part of the beauty of panels in general is that moderator um, and or panelist slash patient direct interaction. We're like, I'm actually going there. I'm staying in line and I'm directly asking David Tennant or somebody from 100 like a direct question. Mm-hmm. It's just a very different, and even as an audience member, I feel like it's a different way of interacting with the, you know, who are famous people. You know, it's like a, we're like the normal people actually talking to these famous people versus like just the moderator asking the questions does give a very different kind of feel to it. Um, so I want to get like what, like, uh, you know, you've been to tons of conventions, you've been panelists, you've sat in, you know, as an audience member, what do you kind of think of that idea for, I'm talking more popular panels. Like if it's like probably less than a hundred people coming to a panel, it doesn't make sense to do that. But right. like you know, bigger panels, that's where I could see something like this starting to happen. Like uh, main stage panels. Yeah. More main stage panels. I, that's where I can see this type of trend happening. So, okay. So just for a little bit of extra cl- clarification, uh, let's say that you submit a question to the discord. Uh, does the moderator um, give you credit for the question or just ask the question? Good question. So what was interesting was at our panel specifically, he would be like, Hey, who is Zelius in the audience? And the person would be like, me. Mm-hmm. And, the actors were actually really cool and they were like, dude, like they were kind of directly related to that person mm. or like give them a high five, like virtual. So there was some of that, which I do think helped alleviate my concern. Yeah. But definitely reading Facebook was very obvious that some of the panels that did not happen. Mm. It was literally just and the next question. So to your point, which might be going with it, I do think what we had was kind of a happy medium between the two. Mm. See, I I think you know, I, I, I totally believe that, um, I, okay. So I understand the, the desire to want to have your voice and the special, you know, stars voice, basically, you know, that interaction. However, I do, you know, as long as you get credit, like this is how I would do it. If I was a moderator for a, a main stage, uh, panel, Okay. I'm not saying that I'm going to be the star, but I'll be the moderator in this sure. example. Um, I would want to give one, uh, you know, I would want the individual who submitted the question to stand up and I would yep. also give them credit for the question so that the panelists can look at that person while they're answering. Cause I think that's kind of, that's, Part of it is that you're making eye contact with this like legendary star. (laughs) But that being said, you're right. There are a lot of people who just, ooh, you know, gush and, or their question turns out to be like a 17 part novel. (laughs) And, you know, so instead of being able to answer 20 questions, this person's able to answer like three because you have two people who decide to give their life story about how they got here and how this person was an inspiration. Not that that's a bad thing, but I, I'm going to be totally honest with you. If, if, if you want to go that route, write that star a letter. Okay. Yep. <laughs> don't, don't, don't go up to the mic and, and, you know, just take up all the time. I, I, I think that it has merit uh, because now, Especially 
if the moderator uh, focuses on the individual who actually submitted it, now a lot more voices are going to be heard. And it also takes care of the plethora of the same fucking questions slightly adjusted for being asked. Okay, so one smart thing that I had actually not seen before mm-hmm. was, so I went to a panel based around Diablo 4. So okay. some of the, um, it's the story writers. So okay. they're all like the quest writers mm-hmm. and some of like the lore masters of Diablo 4 were there giving a panel. Mm-hmm. And they made it very clear from the beginning that like, we're not the developers. So, and they're also obviously, you know, NDA'd out the ass. Oh, yeah. So like, asking what the next you know quest line or what the next class is like we're a we can't answer that and b we honestly don't know the answer because we're quest writers like right you know masks for some high are not gaining to come talk to us about the new paladin character who's coming yeah. i was saying paladins at some point diablo 4 will have a paladin obviously um so but what happened was is after like the first question or two, mm-hmm. one of the volunteers got a light bulb and started asking each person in line what the question was. Mm-hmm. And actually kicked a few people out of line because either A was about something that like is going to happen in the future, which you aren't allowed to ask because right. of good reasons. Yeah. Or like somebody else in line already had that question. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that was smart because you're right. Most of the time there are tons of repeated questions. Um so I did appreciate that one of the volunteers did kind of take the initiative to do that and mm-hmm. filter out a bunch of the pointless questions that we did not need asked. The and, well, okay. The other thing is, uh, hopefully, the moderator for the panel is knowledgeable and is able to weed out those questions that they know, you know, uh, are are questions that one the the panelists can't answer, <laughs> or two, you know, repeat repeat, but. It's tricky because at Dragon Con, it's so the panel. So normally the moderator themselves, like sitting up on the table. Yeah. Either the intimate, like this, like the moderator for this one works for Diablo, works for Blizzard. Mm-hmm. So he's not the one out interacting with us. It was actually a Dragon Con volunteer. Gotcha. Just the, it was a normal tech ops person. Right, but I, I think he took it upon himself to do this. Right, I think I'm thinking more of the like the main stage where they're they're filtering yeah, yeah. through Discord. Oh yeah, definitely for the Discord. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. And my guess is my assumption would be for like, especially the TV show ones, there was mm-hmm. probably a conversation with the moderator in the actors of like, okay, this is what we can and cannot talk about. Yeah to kind of clear up that because there is probably some like how close can you come to talking about tv shows without talking about tv shows right right um because like in the 101 they could talk about stuff they tried out for they did talk about a specific without actually saying the show's name they talked about a specific incident that happened to happen at a show involving a horse riding around Mm -hmm. We all like if you've seen the show, you know exactly what they're talking about, but they didn't actually say like any character names, right, or anything like that, right. Um, so there's definitely that line as far as like what, how far can you go? And I think for good reason, they're not going to ask questions that even come close to that line. Like I totally get it; it doesn't make any sense to skirt that line, right. 
Um, so generally speaking, they're, they didn't really have a whole lot to do with directly with their experience of the TV show itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, overall, Dragon was good. I got some, uh, I got my normal dragon for my normal $5 dragon magnet that I get every year. Mm-hmm. That's like my thing. Um, yeah, other than that. Was there any like big surprises? Mm, big surprises, or or something that you thought uh, blew your mind? Blew my mind. There was a, I'd say one of my my favorite cosplay. It was a Finship Shepherd. It was uh-huh. like a mac, like down to like the last detail. Sweet was just amazing. Um, <laughs> so what that actually really creeped me out. Mm-hmm. So. There's this guy coming down the elevator and he has a, the back is to us at first. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a CRT on a cart. And you're like, what the hell do you have a CRT TV in 2023? He comes on Marriott, turns around and I forget what movie it is, but it's that creepy lady, like a bad dark evil lady hidden inside the TV and like pops up at you. Ring. Maybe. Sure. I think maybe. But that was really well done because you didn't see it coming. And all of a sudden turns around and she's like, actual person in TV uh-huh. um, and starts popping at you. That was pretty good. Fun. That one was good. Good. Well, I, I'm almost 100% sure that Zeelys will be returning next year. Yes. I have to buy my tickets. We did do a hotel for the first time ever. Like at the, like, so there's the five con hotels. Yep. Um, and that was super convenient. Because, like, you can go upstairs, and I changed my cosplay, like, three times mm-hmm. in one day. We kept our TV, or not TV, good gosh, our food stash in the room. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, so that was super convenient. Just go upstairs and eat your lunch and get snack food right up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't carry around a backpack any of the days, because normally, like, you have to carry your shit with you. Yeah. Um, one of my cosplays, they had the big starter staff, and not having to carry it around... To go to like panels and stuff and just be able to put that in the room. So there's a lot of definitely added bonuses to it. Um, like Saturday, like Monday morning, I actually took an Uber home at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. Because I knew I could stay in the hotel till 1 o'clock to go to the concerts I was going to. Mm-hmm. And then just when I was done with those, just went back to the hotel room, got my luggage, and just popped back home. Um, so there are definitely some conveniences in that regard. Right on, right on. Um, but yes, I will definitely be buying tickets for next year. Wunderbar. All right. So, uh, now that we have Zilius's report on Dragon Con, let's talk about some other stuff. The first thing I got to say is uh, something that was highly anticipated, at least for me, was the fact that on Netflix... The live-action version of One Piece is now out and ready for viewing. I should have, so I should have taken a picture. There was actually the Netflix One Piece RV van was there. Uh huh. Nice. I didn't think of it, but yes, it was there, like for promoting the live-action One Piece. So, um, I have seen I think two episodes. They are they are long. Um, I think the first one's like an hour and 15 minutes. The second one is 55 minutes. So it, it fluctuates. It's, it's on the long end. I think there's 
either six or eight episodes. I can't remember off the top of my head. That being said, um, there's already a season two uh, in the works. Um, Hopefully, you know, it doesn't take too long. Um, so it's not a Netflix show that you have to wait in eager anticipation to know if it's going to be on for another season. They, they they've happening. already promised that there is a season, second season. Nice. Uh, I have to say that this is kind of, having watched close to 400 episodes of One Piece, <laughs> uh, I will say this. This version, the live action, is really like a boiled down version of One Piece where they take away... All the fluff. So far, they've taken away all this kind of like filler crap. Yeah. And it's literally the story, the main story. It's not, you know, the let's let's talk about this one time and blah, blah, blah. It's Luffy goes here. He gains this person on his crew. They they meet this pirate. There's, you know, it's not a drawn out battle. It's. It's an engagement that may last, you know, there might be several different stages to that engagement. However, it's not like each episode is one part of that engagement. So it's like an abridged version or the cliff notes. Yes, it, it really is. I don't want to say watered down is, is the, the, no, not watered down. It, it's that like, it's really condensed. Like it's really could yeah. yeah, it's condensed. It's it's like they took like I said, they took all the fluff, all the the filler that really if if you were to take all the filler out of the 400 episode 400-ish episodes that I've watched, you could probably boil it down to maybe 100 episodes or maybe 80 episodes. Um cuz there is a lot of random stuff and then they do like the seasonal thing and there was this weird, like, crazy story arc where everyone was back in, like, feudal Japan for a bit that had nothing to do with the story whatsoever. Just filler. Um, <laughs> but I, my one concern was how they were going to to kind of portray the characters. Now, I haven't seen the entire crew yet for One Piece, but... I've seen Nami and I've seen Luffy and I've seen Zoro. Uh, so that's three of the four members of the crew that are really uh, part of the crew early on. Um, so the next episode introduces that fourth character. I have to say it's really good. I mean, obviously they've already said second season coming. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, it looks, it looks authentically like, one piece uh yes the voices are going to be different but the the actors really keep to you know the source material they d they don't really try to go way the fuck off and in, into the wobbly yonder and and try to give you their take on this character hmm. that's good i mean sounds like what fans would want in a live action one piece. So it sounds it's, like to me. If you're going to do a live action version of an anime, this is what I would want. Well, it sounds realistic because if it's also live action, like you can't count on like 20 seasons to be able to do all the fluff. Yeah. So it makes sense that you kind of condense that down and you limit if you're going to do it, 
let's eliminate some of that fluff to tell the story, just being pragmatic with how live action shows work. Yep. Makes perfect sense. Well, now I am more intrigued by watching it than I was before. I will say that much. You should. You should. Um, Okay, so a bit of sad news in the video game industry. A company that's been around for 30 years, the company Volition, has been shuttered. No! Now, Volition, uh, let's see here. You could go all the way back to uh, March of 1995, where they released Descent. Ah, yes. Uh, And then... Let's go. Uh, they did Red Faction. They did the one that probably most people would know is they were the company behind Saints Row, uh, which is kind of you know like the the really over the top version of Grand Theft Auto. Which of course they would never admit that that's what it is, but that's what it is. Nice. So sadly. Their last game was basically the relaunching of Saints Row uh, in 2022. Sad day. Uh, and as with that happening, they uh, the publisher who owns them, Gearbox Studios, also laid off 30 individuals. It's kind of a tough time to be in the technology industry world, like in all regards right now. Agreed. Like developers, ITs, just all across the board is. It's a it's a tough going. It's a tough sledding at the moment. Yes, I agree. Um, I don't remember if we actually talked about this or not, but uh, one of the local studios, High Res Studios, or one of their uh, studios underneath them, uh, has gotten into some trouble with AI voice acting, basically taking someone's voice that that actually voice the character and utilizing AI to we did talk about that. We did? Yep. Okay. Then never mind. Moving on. Oh, what was the resolution? I don't I don't think there is one at this point. I think that high res is going to have to I think high res basically has been put on the spot to have to rework their contracts uh, so that either they go the route of saying we will use your your own voice exclusively or you get to do the original voicing but any additional work or any additional dialogue we get to use your voice with an ai generator they mm. they'll, they'll probably have to get more specific on the contract and to be honest with you that's that kind of works out on both sides so that there's no ambiguity so uh, well, I mean, it, it really works out for the the voice actor because now the voice actor knows either what what they're really signing up for. Yeah. Uh, because as anyone, uh, it, as m- many people, I hope understand when you're vo- when you are called up- if you're a voice actor and you get you're called upon for additional lines, you get paid for that additional time. Unless, of course, the contract says that you know uh, here's a lump sum, and any time that we call you. To get more dialogue, you're just going to give it to us at no additional fee. Contracts are tricky. (laughs) And they can either kill you or make you rich. So 
if you, anyone out there, ever has to do, ever has to sign a contract, make sure that you actually read it over and don't blindly sign it. Um, the worst contract uh, screw up is by a now famous uh, company uh, called Penny Arcade, where when they decided to publish their first ever like uh, collection of web comics, they didn't read the contract. They in good they thought in good faith that the publisher was just going to publish the comics for them. It turns out that they accidentally signed away the rights to uh, the Penny Arcade name and all the comics, and they had to get into legal battle to basically regain their stuff. Well, that's right. It's still ongoing. Is um, Taylor Swift because mm -hmm. like all of her religion recordings, she didn't own any rights to. Yep. So I know she was doing a whole bunch of re-recording to make it her own. Um, there was actually a story the other day, which we'll see probably more of. It was a it was a college football player who basically signed an NIL agreement for like it was somewhere around half a million. I forget what it was. Mm -hmm. But then when he became a professional, he then owed like some crazy percentage, like 15 or 20% of all of his like future income as an NFL player pre-tax. Oh, yes. Yeah. Contracts. Um, Read them. Oh, no, he was suing based on basically predatory lending practices. Mm -hmm. um, but if he signed the contract, I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know. Um, it's legally binding. So there's a, a yeah, but yes, you're right. It's contracts are a thing. Yes, yes. They yeah, are. you gotta be, especially if you own, you know, the rights. If you want to own the rights to your own personal baby, you gotta be careful. Indeed, indeed. All right, so uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, before we go to the next topic, we're going to uh, basically give some love and attention to those individuals who help Alter Confusion be the Alter confusion that you love and adore, and so, ladies and gentlemen, I've got to, um, I got it. I I have to take time out to tell you about the friends of the show. The first friend of the show, of course, is the Indie Cluster. The Indie Cluster is an organization of independent game developers that want to gain exposure by being involved in the community. They collectively journey to popular conferences as a traveling booth to help gain attention for their games. They make partnerships in local communities and bring games to the mainstream mindset. They highlight local, unusual, and rare concepts to challenge the paradigm of the common. They also host events to teach kids and minority groups about game development to hopefully one day enter the industry themselves. For more information, go to IndieCluster.com. The next shout-out we got to give is to the AV master himself, Noodle Boy Media. Founded in 2015 by Andrew Tran, Noodle Boy Media, previously White Kid 47 Media, is your choice for professional photo shoots and panel recordings at conventions. They pride themselves in providing a high level of professionalism, top-notch experiences, and quality services. If you want more information and to view their full list of services, check out facebook.com slash noodleboymedia. Now, this is a Especially important for all those amazing individuals who live in the metro or the greater Atlanta area. Ladies and gentlemen, I know that video gamers can get some aches and pains in their back and whatnot, but there is someone out there who can help. And that, of course, is Hero Chiropractic. Hero Chiropractic is a unique healthcare practice set up by Ryan Moore, the company's focus to elevate 
a patient's experience of freedom, creative expression, and joy. They believe that everyone can be a hero and has incredible heroic potential inside themselves waiting to be unleashed. Hero Chiropractic focuses on mobile chiropractic care in the greater Atlanta area. They are committed to healing clients by creating a plan of action uniquely suited for each person. They make that plan of action as convenient and affordable as possible and most importantly suited to your individual needs. For more information, go to HeroChiropractic.com. The next shout out we got to give is to the maestro himself, Crosspad Creative. Need a new logo or want to work on a full branding and content strategy? Or maybe you need music or audio for your content, just like Ultra Confusion. Crosspad Creative offers a whole host of solutions for individuals and small businesses. Just email josh at crosspadcreative at gmail.com and see what he can do for you. The last shout-out we got to give to, of course, is to the OG, the original patron for Alter Confusion. That, of course, is Agile Axiom. By Day X leads both a development team and system administration team working with satellites at NASA's Goddard campus. But while not in meetings and many times during, he is the Agile Evangelist Agile Axe, championing the philosophy of Agile and trying to make the world a better place for software developers, testers, system admins, and software projects the world over. Decades of experience in software development and leading agile teams are brought to bear against evil processes, inefficient work, and bad habits. For more information and to check out his book, go to agileaxiom.com. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I know that everyone is curious, how do I become a friend of the the Alter Confusion. And that, my friends, is quite simple. Ladies and gentlemen, Alter Confusion survives on the love and support of fans like you. And so we have a Patreon page. Patreon lets you, the fans, lovers, haters, demigods, interdimensional beings, gods, demons, aliens, mummies, swamp creatures, vampires, werewolves, supporters, and more to become active participants of the work we love through a monthly membership. This gives you access to exclusive content, community, and insight into our creative process. In exchange, we gain a bit more freedom to do our best work and the stability we need to build an even stronger creative career. We currently have two tiers. It's the $1 tier and the $5 tier. The $1 tier is $1 a month and $12 a year, and that gives you early access to all of our playthroughs as well as the ability to participate in patron-only posts. Now, if you're feeling extra frisky, there is the $5 tier. That's $5 a month or $60 a year. Not only do you get everything at the $1 tier, but you also gain your name or organization added to the friends of the show uh, for every single Thursday night hangout. So if you want to become a patron of Ultra Confusion, go to Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Altered Confusion. Now, of course, the other shout out we have to give is to an organization or a charity event that we do all the time. Ladies and gentlemen, Ultra Confusion is proud to say that we have been fundraising for Extra Life for 12 years straight. Extra Life is gamers doing what they do best, game, to help sick and injured children at their chosen Children's Miracle Network Hospital. The money that we raise through Extra Life will go directly to Children's Healthcare of Atlanta as unrestricted funds. This means that the hospital decides where and how to spend the money to ensure the dollars we raise make the biggest impact in the lives of the kids they treat. So if you have the capacity to donate, please go to extra-life.org and search for Altered Confusion. Okay. Uh, first of all, for there was a question the other day about uh, 
how I list all of the the patrons for the Patreon um, post. And I will fully admit that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine of them are in the script. However, I always add additional ones just for shits and giggles. So there you go. The secret has been revealed. You never named me as a Patreon man. Well, I try to. I, I'm trying to. You know, I'm. I'm. I'm not listing ind- specific individuals. I'm trying to give you the type of individual you can be. Mm. Uh, anyways, so um, the final topic, because uh, as I told Zelius and maybe um, uh, before we started recording, I said that I basically was working my ass off all day, so I didn't have a lot of topics. Uh, the can you work? The last thing that I want, the, the I guess the big topic to talk about is the Bethesda Studios game that was just recently launched, and that of course is Starfield. You mean Skyrim in space? Yes. First of all, I gotta say, I my immediate reaction to playing Starfield is I feel like I'm playing No Man's Sky. Okay. It, it feels like that. Or yes, Skyrim in space is a is an is another very adequate uh way to describe it. Now, um on launch, I believe they had I think it's like two hundred and forty thousand concurrent players according to Steam, um, which, that's a big-ass number. Uh, it also does help that they did allow for preloading. Yes. Uh, it was weird. I will I will, uh, totally um, say that it was weird that the game was available on the, whatever it was, the 5th. However, it was not until like eight o'clock Eastern standard time on that date. So I literally, I was watching the clock and then when it, when the release time actually hit, the button didn't go green. So I, I was like, I, I want to play. I want to play. And like, if you went to the actual uh, store page, it gave you the option to play if you clicked on the play, it said this title is unavailable right now. And so like I Googled it and it turns out that the way to fix it was you had to close down steam completely and then open it back up and then it would become available. Uh, One of those. Yes. Now there is quite a bit of content to the game fully admit. Um, I would imagine but I have to say that, I don't know, maybe I missed something, but a lot of the stuff, it's kind of trial and error. Like, I didn't know how to fast travel. And then, and, and I guess, like, they do have a very, like, large library of uh, help notes. It's, uh, of course, in your, your main menu. Uh, wait, wait, does this require reading? Yes. Yes. In my game? Yes. It's not it's not reading while you're moving. I mean they they do have those as well. It's it's not like in-game there's more out of game reading than there is in-game reading at the point where I am, which is twelve hours in. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. I do there ever I keep seeing all these things like someone created this. 
uh, spacecraft in Starfield. I have no idea how to change my ship. Like I bought new pieces for the ship and I'm going, all right, they're, they're going to automatically install those. Nope. They're like, you can find them. We'll, we'll store them for you until you're ready to add them to the ship. But I'm like, no, I bought them to add them. I still can't figure it out. Um, <clears throat> is one of those cases where the pieces for your starship like are in your backpack and you're carrying around your backpack with a starship in it? No, oh. no, thankfully, no. However, um, there, so when you're in, speaking of starships and stuff in your backpack, you'll be moving around and you will sometimes run into ship parts, which are very important. Think of them as like med packs for your ship during combat when you're doing aerial combat. Uh, The problem is that each one of those ship parts are 10 pounds. So if you accidentally accumulate a couple of those, you've taken up your weight limit really Uh, fast because there is a weight limit in the game and you cannot fast travel if you're encumbered. Can you mod it to get rid of your weight limit? No. Mm, that's disappointing. Modders work harder. I know, seriously. Um, so the other thing is your there's there's like there's a huge crafting piece to it, which I was trying to get I was trying to accumulate all the components I could, but it turns out that some of those components are heavy as shit. And I ran out of space in my inventory and the ship's inventory and my companion's inventory. So I just threw my arms, my hands up in the air and just sold every single component I had. <laughs> so it's like, this is ridiculous. <clears throat> there is a lot of stuff. Um, the interesting thing about Starfield uh, with the, the sprint system is you have, it's, it's kind of stamina, but it's not. It's oxygen related. So when you when you basically run out, instead of like, you know, you're watching your stamina bar go to bottom and then you slow down, you your oxygen level goes down and down and down, and you'll keep running. However, your CO2 will start to build up and you'll basically croak if you allow it to to uh fill up you know it seemed like in the age of starfield they would have this whole like backpack oxygen system figured out honestly yes you would think like you would think that that would be a solid problem that you could run and you'd be fine okay so yeah the the um um basically my my biggest gripe is they're throwing you into the deep end. If you don't read, uh, if you don't take the time to go through the the help section, you're not going to know how to do a lot of stuff. So it sounds like a more hardcore version of other Bethesda games is what it sounds like. Yes. Also, um, so you get experience points by killing things and completing quests um, and discovering new places. And you will get skill points that you can assign to different things. Those sure. skill points, if you, there's, 
I think there's like four or five levels for each thing, like, um, you know, health or um, of the ability to carry more. So your strength or your, your ability to shoot your pistol. But if you want to level up between like the first tier and the second tier, there's basically many quests that you have to do. It's like achievement based. So with the pistol, you have to kill a hundred, no, sorry, 50 guys with a pistol in order to unlock the ability to use a skill point to go to the second tier of uh, the pistols. So, and like some of them are a little bit weird. <laughs> um, the, the persuasion one is really hard to do. Um, you have to successfully persuade people five times in order to, to level up. However, your persuasion percentage of the ability to persuade is really low. So I failed a lot of persuasion stuff. So that's that tricky. So in order to be a better persuader, you have to persuade with a low chance of persuading. Yeah. Nice. Well, I mean, it is nice with the, so the, the way the persuasion works is that you've got, you have an indication of how many persuasion points you need. Okay. And then you're given these options. There's a green option. There's, there's green options. There's yellow options. There's red options. Of course, green is the easiest. Yellow is medium and red is hard. Um, of course the reds will give you the most points. Yep. Uh, and you have to fill it up in order for the persuasion to, um, to work. The problem is that when you have a very low level of persuasion, uh, you can't just take the easy route. And sometimes even the easy route doesn't work. <laughs> Yikes. <clears throat> so we have that. Um, like I said, fast travel. I didn't even, <clears throat> I didn't know that. Okay. So there are two view modes in the game. There is the regular view mode where you get to interact with people and objects. And then there's basically the scanner mode where you can scan things or also a nice thing about the scanner mode is that also tell it basically will highlight all the item objects that you could interact with. Now, the vast okay. majority of them are absolute trash. You don't need to pick up every single styrofoam cup you come across. It's, you're not going to need those. I'm going to a styrofoam master. And Level up that styrofoam. It, it also is kind of cool that when it highlights an object that actually means something, it will give you additional information. Um, now, in the scan mode, you have to be in scan mode to fast travel. If Unless you, of course... Uh, there, there's another way to fast travel, but it's it actually takes one, two, possibly three different uh, screens in order to get there. Um, but you have to go into scan mode, and then you'll see the, like Skyrim, you have those little indicators. They're like, here's a cave, here's a building, here's a city. Uh, here's where you left your ship. And you in scan mode, you just basically got to uh, center the reticle on it, click on it. If you haven't gone there yet, of course you can't fast travel to it. Um, of course, if you're encumbered, you can't fast travel to it. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's definitely got some growing pains. There is a lot of just blank shit out there. Like, 
one of those games that people could devote like hundreds of hours to. Oh God, yes. Oh God, yes. Uh, I, I do like the fact that you could be walking through a city and someone will be like, man, this person is just, they, they're having problems, but no, just no one wants to help them. And then all of a sudden you basically get a, um, you should talk to this person type of Uh, thing. So you get, you kind of, you don't have to talk to, you don't have to interact with everyone to get quests. Sometimes you'll just overhear a quest and then you can just take it on if you want to. It does sound like though that the depth of the game is more about all the stuff that's in it Mm. than it is than spending 20 hours to level up to just go finally defeat the final boss. Yes. Yes. Speaking of final bosses, I did finally beat uh, Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, that was a bitch and a half. But uh, finally got you past the. You were talking about the dark stuff that kept on killing you. Yeah, the gloom. Um, the gloom. So basically, what I did is I made a bunch of food that reduces gloom. <laughs> um. And then I literally just sprinted through all the enemies. I didn't even try to attack them. Or if I had to, I tried to find ingenious ways of not getting touched because all those damn monsters were going to add gloom damage to you. And then I faced off against Gadendorf. And there are three uh, iterations of Ganondorf that you have to fight. Of course. And... Personally, if I had to rate the difficulty of each version, um, I would one being the most the, the the most difficult and three being the least. I would say it was um, two one three. Mm, uh, okay. The middle one was the toughest. The third one, the final form, was the easiest. So at least if you know you got past the second phase, you can probably beat the third phase. Yes. And how many times did you have to face him to figure out how to beat him? Amazingly enough, first run. Nice! Yeah. I don't know how, but I did it the first run. Did you have sweaty palms? Huh? Did you have sweaty palms? Yes. And I also had a a cheering section because my youngest son was there cheering me on. Oh, that sounds more like a pressure section because if you died, then you're like, you stuck, man. No, no, he, he's he's he he he's a nice kid. No, uh, that would have just been me. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Anyways, okay. So so back to Starfield. Yes, there is no. You're not grinding. Uh, I mean, technically you could grind, but the grind would be insane. Uh, there is a ton of different solar systems you go to. You. You could scan plants. I mean, literally, this is why it feels like a different version of No Man's Sky. Because in No Man's Sky, you scan planets. You don't you can't land on all the planets, but you scan them all so that you could basically build your repertoire. Sure. Um uh in Starfield, you scan all the planets. Uh you can go down onto the planets, um, collect you could, you need to collect information on the let's see here uh, the resources so basically the minerals and the gases that are on the planet uh, the fauna and the flora flora of course is the plants 
and fauna is the animals, the the oh, yeah. creatures. Yeah, there we go. And it's not one scan and you're done. Well, the resources, it's one scan and you're done, but like the the flora and the the creatures, uh, you have to do multiple scans and you can't just scan the same thing over and over again, which I don't understand why you can't do that because, you know, it's the same thing. It's just in a different location. This is the same tree. It's the same type of tree, but it's 30 feet over that way. But you It's a special tree. It's a special different tree, sir. And then also there are like uh special when you land on a planet, you'll see that some planets have these like you're in, you basically could see there there's a count of there are eight different flora out there. Uh and it will tell you how many you've got to a hundred percent. But on certain certain planets in that window, there'll be these dotted kind of circles with a question mark in the middle. And that means that there's natural wonders that you need to find. And most of the time, every the every single time that I've seen that, one of them ends up being basically this place with f- fossilized shit that I have to scan. It's like, oh, look, it's, it's bio dump. Yay. I'm like... This is stupid. Um, space combat is a bitch. And uh, I am freaking Rambo. I will just uh, shoot. I will try to shoot people, everybody in the head. I don't I don't take any prisoners. Not gonna lie, this does not sound like the uh, game for me. No, that, God, no. This is, Zeely, this is, this is your... This is the this is like my hell of gaming. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. I just you can't. I don't think you could even if you were to strictly stay on the main quest. I think that that, that unfortunately for Zelius, the world would still be too big. The game world would be too no, big. Just on one world. Oh dear God. I, I, I I'm gonna get the shakes just thinking about it. You have to go. Right. There there's so much travel. So, question for you. Yes, sir. Because a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the upcoming war between Boulder's Gate 3 mm-hmm. and Starfield. Mm-hmm. Why did you choose? I'm assuming, do you have Boulder's Gate 3? No, I do not. So, what made you choose Starfield over Boulder's Gate 3, for the time being, at least? I, to be honest with you, I needed kind of, I needed something different. I, I, I think because I had put so much time and effort into Legend of Zelda, Boulder's Gate, yes, is different than Legend of Zelda, but it's still, you know, swords and magic and that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I needed something different. Now, that being said, I am splitting my time. I would say that Starfield's taken about 75% of my gaming. Uh, the the other 25% is, uh, I'm pl- I finally... Uh, decided to start playing the game Dredge, which okay. is, it's kind of like a Lovecraftian fishing game, is the how I would describe it. it well, it's a Lovecraftian fishing game with uh, inventory Tetris. And oh my God, Ooh. is it inventory Tetris. Different fish take up different amounts of spots on your boat. You also will want to... Um, salvage 
or dredge certain areas to gain uh, components that will allow you to upgrade the amount, uh, the the size of um, your boat, the amount of, or the size of how big your fishing rod can be, or your your boat motor, or your light, which is very important in dredge, uh, because you do not want to be caught too long in the dark because that's when all the crazy spooky creatures come out. Also, I found out that if you don't sleep, you will go crazy. So, huh? Like every game, it seems like nowadays, like RPG or MMO has fishing in it. Yep. And normally I hate fishing because it's literally the same and not this thing over and over. But I'm thinking is it sounds like an MMO. Mm-hmm. Like a World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy or something needs to take like dredge, put it into their MMO. <laughs> like they should make fishing great again. Yeah, I said what there. They oh, fishing boy. great again and an MMO. You know, the the one thing that bugs me about dredge is the simple fact of your ship. There is a very good chance that if you're not paying attention, you will act your ship will accidentally bounce off of the rock in the middle of the sea or the coastline and it will damage your ship. That sounds reasonable. And I mean, one of the, the, the things is when it you damage your ship, it actually damages um one of your inventory spots. Oh so you could have a very important item and the computer has decided that where your very important item is was where you took damage, and so it drops into the sea. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yes, yes, it is. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's. I got nothing for you on that one. Yeah. So yeah, but like I said, um, I'm playing. A, I mean, uh, as Delius can attest, I I might have been playing some Starfield today. Um, on every platform minus Facebook. Um, and so I've, I've, like I said, I've got 12 hours already in, uh, and it's, I still don't know how I feel about it. I really don't. Um, I, I finally have kind of figured out star, uh, uh, space combat. Cause, oh my God, dude, I can't tell you like. What was supposed to be an apparently an easy battle, I got my ass whooped three straight times, and then I got really lucky. Because once again, I don't know how to build the better ship, so I've got the starter ship, and that's it. I mean, you could just go on YouTube and get like a five-minute tutorial on how to do it. I'm sure they exist. True, true, and 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 at some point, I think I'm going to have to just bite the bullet and do that because. Yeah, I just oh my god. I I I don't know. It, it's it's mind-boggling crazy. And Zelius, are you looking it up right now? Yes, here is a wait, hold on, <laughs> there we go. Oh how to build your first ship in oh wait, no, I don't want the audio though. Here you go. How to build your first ship in Starfield. I have no idea if it's any good, but it had three hundred thousand views. So okay. it had to be doing right. I will I will copy and paste this and look at it afterwards. It's how to build your first ship. Not just any ship, but your first ship. 
it sounds very important to the game. I got you. I got you. So, but anyway, so it's kind of funny, but it's funny though because you think about it, like a game like okay, so take a game like Starfield, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In a way, the it sounds like the depth of it because it sounds like there's a lot of legitimate depth of it. Isn't that basically what Star Citizen was trying to do? Yes, that's the other thing that 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 is kind of like tickling in the back of my head. It's like, so this is Star Citizen if it actually truly 100% came out. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of funny. It's like, I mean, this game, I mean, obviously it's been in production for a number of years, yeah. but without like the bamboozling of hundreds of millions of dollars from Patreons or whatever. Yeah. They still produce basically that game that it promised to be. Yeah. So the other big question is, because the other big promise from Starfield was there won't be mini bugs because we're investing literally every QA or into bug reductions. Mm -hmm. So how are the bugs? Um you know, the only bug that's that that bugs or, or maybe uh, the feature or whatever you want to call it. There are times where you'll be having a conversation or trying to have a conversation with an NPC and all of a sudden two of your like crewmates will have a conversation. And so both of them are the same volume, very audible. And you're just like, Jesus, thank God I have subtitles on. Otherwise I would not know who wow. was talking. Um, so that randomly made me think of a moment from the Diablo Four Dragon Con mm -hmm. panel mm -hmm. because it had to do with conversations from quest lines. So when you're in Diablo Four, probably not too dissimilar from what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when we talk by walk by NPCs, they'll start talking and you'll see like a little like marker of like, oh, there's a quest here. But sometimes we want to do it. The problem is, at least to me, like I'm doing other stuff like the main story or I'm grinding hell ties, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to request right now. I really don't care. Their family is lost out there in the great big evil. Go fix it yourself. Damn it. Yeah. The problem is, is it's right next to the bloody blacksmith. <laughs> so every time you go to like, you know, turn over all of your gear, you're hearing the stupid quest line every single time you go there. Mm -hmm. And at the panel, one of the guys on the panel was like one of in one of the does it spoke up the six um areas mm -hmm. one of the guys was like the main dude in charge of one of the six areas it was like yep i'm very proud of i'm the guy who's in charge of like making these npcs with the quest so when you walk by them, you hear them and i think it gives great immersion to the game where every time you walk by them it lets you know that there's a quest from their just regular casual dialogue as a person living in the world uh -huh. and i want to be like i hate you because it annoys me every time i walk by the person like I actually mute my game yeah with my keyboard when i'm walking by because i know it's going to happen no the okay so that being said uh when you have a companion uh, with you on a quest or, or on a plan or whatever. Are these companions, like, are we talking like a Bioware type of companion where like, they're actually like a companion fighting with you or is it just like a temporary? Type okay. So for the most part, yes, there are times where they'll just like wander off <laughs> and I'm like, uh, where'd you <laughs> go? Like, but there is one companion that just won't shut up. 
I'm like, uh, I understand that you like the the sound of your own voice, but shut up. Um, no, they they're they're there. They they will uh, attack. Um, and the cool thing is, let's say that you picked up a bunch of grenades, and you're like, no, nah, I just I don't I don't want to use grenades. So you just you give them over for to your companion to hold. Your companion will use those grenades. Oh, nice. So it's not like they're, they're, it's not like they're just a storage chest. They will actually use the items that you give them. Like, I don't, I can't remember if they'll actually switch weapons if you give them a better weapon. But, um, so they, like, is it a type where they actually level up with you or how does that kind of work? No, 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 no. Okay. They, they basically, they'll go until they're down and then they'll just kind of like, oh God, I don't know if I can get all, I could go on any longer. Oh, geez. And then, like, two minutes later, they're like, all right, let's do this. Like, magically regeneration or something. I wish I had regen, because, dear God, the amount of uh, med packs I've gone through. Mm. I ended up at this... Even passive health regen? No. Uh, No. No. You have to sleep to do that. Uh, or, Or you eat a bunch of food, or you do a med pack. But the med pack, it... It's, um, you basically, you see your HP bar and when you hit a med pack, it basically grays a certain percentage and then it will slowly fill it up for the next, like, I don't know, eight seconds or something. So it's not an immediate effect. Now you can eat food, but the food is like, if you eat this now, it will give you five health, which means absolutely jack squat because you'll, you'll have like, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to make this up. I don't know if it's actually true, but let's just say that you had 400 health. So five health, uh, let's say you're down to 125. Five health is not really going to make a difference <laughs> when you have 400 max health. Uh, yep. And most of the monsters are giving are going to hit you for 20. Yep. Um, I went to one... throw food at the monster to distract them. Actually, the, the food, I believe, is really to be used to there's god there's so much there, there's so much depth in this game that I just don't understand yet there's a research thing where you can unlock additional stuff there's like a uh, like a weapons table there's a cre- uh, a component creation table an industrial component creation table which I never have the right stuff components to build the the more complex components um I'm sure you can cook too, massive meals and stuff. Oh yeah, you can make meals. Uh, that that's part of the research. You have to unlock that. Um, yeah. And then, like uh, on the last time I was in my spaceship, one of my NPCs like it's kind of drab in here. We should try to dress it up. I'm like, I don't know how to dress it up. Like, do I just throw random, you know, plates and blender and bowls into the inventory and they'll just show up, or I don't know. I mean, that's how I cook in my house. Seriously, the the, the my I biggest my, I throw everything in my stove and it just magically works. It's great. My big the this game, you have to have patience because in my opinion and in my experience, I've had to just kind of do things one way until I figure out that there's a different there's another additional way to do it. Because it, it's it's they don't tell you 
Like I didn't know how to fast travel. So literally I was having to sprint, then watch all my oxygen disappear and then walk slowly and then sprint again to go like across a map. And, and finally, you know what it actually reminds me of remember what? back in the day, like when you play a game and you have like game facts open next to it. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's kind of what it, like I'm not quite there, but I'm 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 getting close on on certain things. Hey, I have no judgment on that. That's there was a time when that was a very popular way to play, especially like the JRPGs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So when I was at Dragon Con, I did look for a certain game for you, but I couldn't find it. I was very sad. Oh. I really wanted it. I was like, I'm gonna find it. And I'm going to steal it. And I'm going to run out before they can find me. <laughs> Excuse me. Take a look the back of my throat. All right. So I believe, ladies and gentlemen, that we've reached the end of the show. Um, Zealus, do you have any closing thoughts? So for the first time ever, uh -huh. I recognize cosplayers from books. Ooh, nice. Um, it's author Sarah J. Moss, mm -hmm. and it's called A Court of Thorns. Yes, and, yes. Oh, I can't remember the rest of it. Um, and there's like people with, um, there's in the court, it's a chick with wings. Um, so I was like, wait, I actually recognize this character. Because mm -hmm. like most books, you read it, it's what you create in your own mental image of that picture yep. of that character could be vastly different from other people. Yep. And that's a good thing. Like it's not a bad thing. It's just the way it is mm -hmm. versus, you know, TV and cinema. Like you see that and that's how they look or anime is obviously popular in the video games. Right. Right. But books, like it can be really hard to tell that, Oh, they're from this book. So it's just kind of cool to see from this series. A couple of people who are very obviously from that series was pretty neat. Sweet. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the Ultra Confusion Thursday Night Hangout. For myself, Charlie, and Zealus, it's been a pleasure giving it to come our heads, our mouths, and of course, our hearts. We'll be back next Thursday for another Ultra Confusion Thursday Night Hangout. And remember, kids, keep on gaming in the free world. Amen to that, brother. Amen.